It's just now occurring to me how appropriate this gospel is because my family's here, that a prophet is not without honor except in his native place and among his own kin, uh, that I have to preach to you guys. So welcome to my family. Um, I also want to say a word of welcome to Father Tim Anastas, who is joining us just this week, uh, starting this new assignment as the associate chaplain here at the Newman Center. So he'll be with us, and so will I. We'll have two for the price of one priest here, which I'm very excited about, as well as Monica Mackey, who they're reading today, is uh, has been our focus missionary team director and is now our development coordinator, and as, as well as the manager of Poor Coffee, our coffee shop. So um, pray for them. We welcome them. I'm glad they're here. Uh, today, in our first reading, we hear the, the call of the prophet Ezekiel. Just a little bit of background about Ezekiel. Uh, he, like several other prophets, lived at the time of the Babylonian exile, which is about 600 years prior to Christ, when uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, conquered uh, Judah, the southern tribe of Israel, and destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, exiled all the important people, the priests, the politicians, the elites, the intelligentsia, all of them were deported to Babylon, and just a tiny little remnant of Jewish people were left in the kingdom of Judah. But uh, effectively, their whole civil, religious, cultural life was totally destroyed. And here Ezekiel is in exile. He's in Babylon um, being called out of those deported people to preach um, the truth, to call the people, those exiles, back to fidelity to God. Um, God says they've been a rebellious people. This is why such tragedy has, has befallen them, is because they abandoned the covenant that God had given them. Um, and without going into too much detail, what I'd like to focus on is, is this mysterious way that God relates to both the prophet and to the people in general, that he allows us to suffer the consequences of our abuse of our freedom that God does not force the people to be faithful. He does not force them to obey him. Nor when they reject him and totally abandon uh, God and their obligation to his covenant, does he smite them, reject them, and says, okay, I'm going to find a new people. He continues to call them back to fidelity. He forgives their transgressions and sends them a prophet, a prophet that's not going to tell them, oh, everything's fine, you're doing great. He's going to tell them hard truth, but that's an act of love on God's part. The mystery being that although Israel, and by extension all of us, God's creatures, owe to God total unconditional obedience as his creatures, he nevertheless respects our freedom. He insists that we freely obey because that's love. It would not be love for us to slavishly obey him because we're so afraid of him or because we we don't want to be punished or because we want some reward for obeying him. It has to be a free gift, a free act of faith and trust. And so freedom, I think, is worthy of contemplation. Today we celebrate Independence Day, the 4th of July, um, this day when we celebrate our freedom as a country, independence from monarchy, but also all of the gifts of liberty that this country represents and has given to her people over over 200 years. Um, That its foundations are in this idea of individual liberty based in the dignity of the human person, this exact fact that God endowed us with freedom. He endowed us with unalienable rights. But those rights um, entail responsibilities. We have to respond freely. It's not just freedom to do whatever we want, but God gives us this freedom so that we will make a gift of our lives. Vatican II um, 
in the document Dignitatis Humanae, which means the dignity of human, uh, human dignity, affirms this gift of constitutional, guaranteed, Bill of Rights kind of freedom, um, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of assembly. It says one of the most one of the major tenets of Catholic doctrine is that man's response to God in faith must be free. For it to be faith, it must be free. And he also says, God calls men to serve him in spirit and in truth. Hence, they are bound in conscience, but they stand under no compulsion. God has regard for the dignity of the human person whom he himself created, and man is to be guided by his own judgment, and he is, in, he is to enjoy freedom. This kind of freedom is beautiful, and it's such a gift that we live in a country that provides it um, in a document, in a guaranteed constitution, that uh, we must be free to follow our conscience, to choose our way. But this kind of freedom is risky. This kind of independence can be abused. And even John Adams, the, one of our founding fathers and the second president of the United States, says, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. In other words, to provide this kind of liberty to every individual in a society, in order to have a society, in order to have a social contract, those people must use their freedom well. They must choose well what they've been given to choose. And so, in other words, freedom from compulsion, which is basically all a government can guarantee, is freedom from being coerced to believe something, to say something, to do something. It's the necessary but not sufficient condition for human flourishing, both individually to have a happy life and as a society to have a productive, um, harmonious, peaceful society. In other words, doing whatever, everybody doing exactly what they want, no matter how good or bad it is, is not a recipe for happiness. We need to have a deeper obedience. Even if we're free, our, our, that freedom has to be for a deeper obedience to our fundamental vocation, our calling as human beings. You hear a lot these days, oh, our country is so divided, and that, that that's the problem. Well, certainly that, that is the case, and it probably is a problem, but let's not think that unity, just per se, is going to solve the problem. There's a bad kind of unity. Think of um, the crowd on Good Friday. They were pretty unified. Crucify him, crucify him. Like, we can use our unity, we can use our community, we can use our society to do bad and destructive things. And so if we take this gift of freedom that we've been given in this country and use it, a freedom of assembly, to riot and to destroy things, our freedom of speech to sow anger, hatred, division, our freedom of choice to kill innocent life, our freedom of religion to excise God and all mention of God from any, anything in public life, I don't know about you, but I think the result of that freedom will be bad. I think to call us back what all the popes from Paul VI to um, John Paul II, Pope Benedict, and on to Pope Francis, this call to the new evangelization is a response to um, what, kind of what we see in the gospel, this inoculation to, to Jesus. We think of God, we're so familiar with Jesus, um, like the people in Nazareth, that it's almost like the gospel has lost its power to enthrall our hearts. And so all we're left with is this kind of broad freedom to just do whatever we want. We can't structure um, community, our, our individual lives around some goal. It's just kind of like, eh, do whatever you want. And the, the results are, are not good. Um, in other words, we, we mistake 
God's respect for our freedom, his insistence that we be free sons and daughters for a kind of permission just to do whatever we want. Um, as if like our freedom to reject God would be free from consequences. So the gospel, what us new evangelists are called to proclaim, like Ezekiel, the prophets, to go out into the world, um, is to propose not that, oh, God loves you and you can do whatever you want and he'll forgive you and everything's fine, but rather that no matter what you've done, no matter what any of us have done, individually, as a group, as a country, as a world, that God sees us and like the Babylonian exiles, he calls us back. That's what his mercy is for. What all the antiphons today about God's mercy is not permission. It's a calling back to fidelity. It's to say that you are broken. The world is broken. You have abused your freedom. You have wandered far from God, but it's okay. I'm calling you back. I, he will never deny us our right to come back to him as our father and the grace to repent, to transform our lives, to transform our, ourselves, to transform our church, to transform our country, to be that obedient, utter, utterly obedient, free sons and daughters um, of God in Christ.